Welcome to Neighbor of Spotlight. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Neighbor of Spotlight showcases citizens making positive contributions to their neighborhood in our city. My guests today are Ms. Jan Ridgway, Director of Garden Valley Neighborhood House, and Mr. Quentin Durham, founder of the Durham Construction Trade Institute. But first, I would like to tell you something about my guests today. Ms. Ridgway is the director of the historic Garden Valley Neighborhood House, located in the Kinsman neighborhood. Prior to joining the Garden Valley Neighborhood House, Ms. Ridgway worked for the Cleveland Public Library in administration, public affairs, and community outreach, where she reestablished the mobile book service after 20 years of absence. A graduate of Albany State University, where she received her Bachelor of Arts in English and Black Studies and a Master of Librarianship from Emory University. She has also participated in the Neighborhood Connections nonprofit management training. Her awards are numerous. To name a few, the 2015 CSU Social Workers of Ohio Chapter 3, Public Citizenship of the Year Award, Who's Who in Emerging Leaders, Who's Who of American Women, and the recipient of the Neighborhood Connections 2014 Angel Grant. Mr. Quentin Durham Sr. is a trailblazer in multiple areas of business. He is president of the Durham Brothers Construction Company, president and owner of the Lee Road Lumber and Building, owner of the Inner Circle Renovation Real Estate Company, and founder and instructor of the Durham Construction Trade Institute, located at the Garden Valley Neighborhood House. In 2017, he was the recipient of the NAACP Unsung Hero Award and featured in The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. With 55 years of experience and expertise, he continues to serve the community and is a member of the Neighbor Up Network and a recipient of the Neighborhood Connections Angel Grant. Welcome to Neighbor Up Spotlight. I've been trying to get you guys for the longest, <laughs> and now you are finally here. I appreciate you coming. Thank you. You're quite welcome. In 2009, Garden Valley Neighborhood House faced the possibility of closing. How did you get involved with Garden Valley Neighborhood House? Actually, by the time I got involved, the center had closed. Uh, I had a small branch, a satellite branch in the building. And when the then organization was facing a lot of financial and managerial issues, um, my director at the library, once we moved our library, I'd ask if I would go in and help them establish a five-year plan and um, see how they can recoup the money that they had lost from the library. And in the middle of that, the center did close. Wow. And so I was asked by some of the residents, also by uh, the councilwoman at that time, if I would consider, once they find out I was retiring, uh -huh. if I would consider <laughs> coming in and reopening the food pantry. That was the main issue for the community at that time. And I said yes. And I didn't know that the food pantry couldn't possibly be open in a neighborhood like Garden Valley one day a week. Yes. So it ended up, now we're at four days a week. Wow. Mm -hmm. You help a lot of people. We have four I days know. a week. Yeah. yeah. Personally, yeah. I don't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you rebuild and restore the trust, confidence, and credibility with the community? I think that was probably one of the most difficult things we had to do. And I think we're still doing that. I don't think it was an overnight uh, Thing. I think that um, once the center had closed, the, what the center had done in its closing was it had failed the community that it had uh, had had um, been there to serve. And so we had to go out and say to the people, we're here, we're here for you. Yeah. Um, 
we want you to come back. Uh, and many of them weren't using a food bank at all. Many of them were going to other food pantries all across the city. And so we became, um, it was a lot of encouragement. It was a <laughs> lot of uh, solicitation. We never yeah. did advertise. Everything yeah. was word of mouth. Sometimes we'd just walk the neighborhood. Yeah. We need you, you know, to outreach. come back. It was old school, school outreach, outreach, dealing yeah. with the people directly. And um, I think the way we rebuilt that trust, though, more than any, anyway, was to actually engage the residents that we were serving yeah. in the work that we were doing. Right. And that that made us sort of a disruptor in a way because it wasn't the way a lot of food pantries worked. Uh, we didn't say we won't serve you if you don't volunteer your time. It wasn't that. But what we said was that this is your food pantry. We need you to come in, get engaged in the work that we're doing, have to determine how this work would be delivered. And in turn they began to, uh, to assume ownership of it. Yes. And that's what it's about. It's the, it's the neighborhood's food pantry. And yes. I think that's, that's what's so important about the name, Garden Valley Neighborhood yes. House. Yes. It's, it really is about the residents. And we did some things that a lot of food pantries didn't do. We, we give a birthday cake to yes. mothers that's right. with children because we know that a mother with four or five children can't afford a thirty nine ninety nine sheet cake for their children. And it's a way for families to come together and to celebrate. So there were things we custom pack our meat. So there were some things that we were doing that others were not. And we went one step further and we said, it's not enough to give out food. We didn't want to be a center known for a handout. We wanted to be a center known for a hand up. Exactly. And so what we did, we built 51 programs around the issue of hunger. What we wanted was to... We were a little bit too optimistic to begin with. <laughs> we wanted to eliminate that food bank line. But what we realized we had to do was first engage residents in the work, regain their confidence, their respect, uh, and then help them to see that we could offer opportunities for them to be able to change their own lives by uh, engaging in a construction training program, a home health care program, a cooking program, a sewing program. And we had lots of programs for kids, whether it was uh, our summer camp, whether it was uh, our children's choir. choir. We did all of these things because what we wanted to do was to deal holistically with the community. Garden Valley is a community that has some of the highest poverty indicators in the city of Cleveland. Hunger is just one. There are many other indicators that 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 are uh, that come from poverty, and we tried to address them. And those 51 programs were built around that. And as residents came and participated in these programs, they began to feel better about the center. They began to feel better about the work that was being done. And so we have we probably work about 150 volunteers a month yeah, at the center. We have no paid staff. Yeah, you've we have no paid staff. You Even do. for the other 50 some programs, they're yeah. all offered free yes. by the people who you know who do the work to make it happen. And a lot of them are just community residents and people throughout the city of Cleveland who believe that the mission. It's the right mission, yes. and they want to give back, and and that's a community benefit, and it's mutually beneficial. Yeah, absolutely, for know. the community, but also for the people doing the work. Work, absolutely. You know, and yeah. so that's kind of how we regain that confidence by engaging the people in the work, by showing them that there are other things that they can do with their lives, uh, engage in some of these other activities, some of these training programs, and as a way, hopefully, uh, they would be able to become self-sufficient and independent. Yeah. 
and not have to depend on the food bank, you know, for a way um, to live. It was a way to improve the overall quality of life. And I do want you to comment on um, your uh, certificated program in home health care, okay. which is free. Okay. Can you tell, tell the taste a little well, bit Well, one that. of the programs, I, I think the two primary programs we have for adults, the construction training program, with, which Mr. Durham will talk about a little bit later, but the other one is our home health care program. Uh, so to date, we have graduated about 111 students. That's We're awesome. about 92% employed because we don't just train and then uh, uh, get the students graduated with a certificate. We try to place them. We work with home health care agencies throughout the city to help place. So we're about 92% employed. Some wow. of them take care of family members, you know, but most of them are working. Um, we, we are charging for that program now. Uh, it isn't much. It basically pays for their materials. It started out, I was paying for all the books <laughs> right. and the graduation yes. and all of that. Yes. So we don't make a profit on it. It pays mm-hmm. for their textbook. It pays, uh, helps, it helps them with, um, with the materials that they use in the class and their graduation and the certificate. We make no profit on it at all. So we have been very successful with the home health care program, uh, as well as a new program that we started with the kids where we opened a restaurant last yes, year. Yes, yes. It's you, a training you, program for yes, kids, talk, talk uh, 13 bit. to 17 years old. That's wonderful. And they learn how to cook. But more importantly, they learn entrepreneurship. They learn how to set up a restaurant, run it, from beginning to end of a given day, um, they learn social competencies. Yes. Our kids need to learn how to work together, how to cooperate, how to learn how to compromise, you know, all yes. of that. They learn healthy food options. So they cook vegan, they cook vegetarian, um, and they also learn financial literacy. It's been on hiatus um, just this, the last yeah. couple of months since I've had uh, my cancer diagnosis. But we will open back up this summer. Awesome. Yes. Well, we're looking yes. forward to it. Well, I just want to state that as a recipient and coming over to the food bank because I first came to you guys, God, when I lived in the central neighborhood. I think I came over in 2010. We were there. And yeah, and, you, and I've watched all the improvements that you guys have made. And I just want to say you treat people with courtesy and oh, respect thank and you. dignity because it's not always easy, you know, for people to come and stand in line and wait for food. You don't know what people are going through. You don't know what's happening in their lives. And you treat people with courtesy and respect. And I've told you that on yes, a number have. of cases. Yes, you have. I when get a I'm little bit teary-eyed. Me too. I'm getting, getting teary-eyed too. You know, standing in line. So I, I know personally, you know, the effect that you have on people when they're going through difficulties. And I just want to say personally, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Carol, for mentioning that because I you think know. it's very difficult for people um, to admit they need something yes. as basic as food. That's right. Uh, it's very difficult for people, and they are not comfortable standing in a food bank line. Yes. And so. We, we work real hard to welcome people to the center with respect. And we've learned that if you give it, you get it. Exactly. If we give respect, we get you respect. Get respect. And I right. think that's been one of the cornerstones of our program. You know, we have been uh, recognized as much by our customer service yes. as we have for the food that we deliver. Yes. Speaking of which, you know, you're the only food bank because when I was going through my difficulties, there were like, you know, three others that I would go to if I needed to. But you're the only one that asks people, do they need a um, non-pork bag? And yeah. could you talk <laughs> about that? Because that's important for people yeah. who come from, you know, the Hillel background and they don't eat pork. Speak to that. We custom pack our meat. Yes. Um, and so 
you can come to us with certain dietary restrictions or religious dietary restrictions, and we honor those. So if you, when we register you, if you say you don't eat pork, we don't put pork in your bag. We have Orthodox Muslims from the West Side in full uh, uh, Muslim dress who will come to us because they know we will not put pork in their bag. Yeah. But we also recognize that if you have lupus, there are dietary restrictions. Right. And we can we can we pack according to that as well. If you have have high blood pressure, we pack for that. If you're vegan, yes. we pack for that. Yeah. So we work very hard to meet your dietary restrictions. Uh, and I think again that that respects who you are as a person. Exactly. And I think it is one of the reasons our food pantry grew to become the largest food pantry in Northeast Ohio. And with all of our feeding programs, we can easily serve between twenty five and thirty thousand people a month because we also feed seniors on Wednesdays, yes. a hot meal on Wednesdays. Um, so we have a lot of uh, ways that we can provide food, and the food is the hook. Yes. yes if it we is. can, if we can get you in there to pick your food. <laughs> Up. We're going to be talking to you about lots of things. Yes. Uh, something as basic as voting, something as basic as all of our training programs, yes. something as basic as and I can attest to parenting that classes. When, you when you're waiting to be seen, you guys definitely give information, or you may have someone come in and speak. So I can tell you personally, I know that that's what you do. And, and I think you've touched on. Uh, intent. I think within within two or three months after going to Garden Valley, we realized that it has to be a holistic approach, that you couldn't just serve the food. Right. That And I'm a librarian, you know, almost 40 years as a librarian, and nothing is more powerful than information. Yes. And so we, we share that information that will improve the quality of the lives of the people we serve every single day. I don't think it's anything more important than dealing with hunger from a holistic perspective. So, now, people come from all over the country to see what you're doing and how you do it. Your programs are centered, as we were saying, around the food bank. Um, and I think you've just really talked about how important the food bank is. So, who is eligible for assistance? And once again, how often are you open? We are open four days uh, a, a week. It, it is kind of interesting because we were open three days a week. And you know, I'm really proud of my core of volunteers. We have a core of maybe about 12 volunteers who who keep coming, uh, even though, you know, we may um, see others during the course of uh, a week or a month. But um, there are 12 that will be there every time the door is open almost. And they added a day since I've been out. <laughs> so I was thinking, everybody was so sure that, well, by you not being there, would the food bank continue? They didn't just continue. They improved. <laughs> and I guess it says a lot because, I, you know, I feel good knowing that they were able to keep it going, were able to make major improvements with my not being there. And so they added a Sunday. Okay. They have been doing Sunday. So they catch a lot of uh, seniors, especially yeah. when they leave church. church and seniors church. who are not able to stand in, in the long lines right. during the week. But what's kind of interesting, they started out like 30 people or 25 people on a Sunday. The last two Sundays, they have done over 70. So wow. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. that's going to end up. But yeah. Quentin and his construction students, our construction students, even though the program is free, they give back their time. That's awesome. That's part of, you know, the commitment that we train you free, but you have to volunteer in some of our programs. And so they have been working the food pantry. And again, some of the people from the churches, they saw what was happening. They got out of the line and started distributing oh, food as wonderful. well. And that's what we want to see. Yes. And I think what, what we have done, I don't know if it was intentional when we started out, but we have trans, we've transformed that whole landscape 
for food pantries. Yes. That it's not just about handing out a bag of food. Right. Engage in this process. We have a commu- uh, an advisory board from the community. So if we want to start something new, we run it past them. We have never provided a program that the community didn't ask for, Excellent. which is one of the reasons we've had the success we've had, you right. know, because we engage the people. Their input is important to us. Find out we what they use need. that input. What right. do you need? And right. then our role is to go about and develop a program that will address that need. And then we take it back to them and they give us a nod of approval. Sometimes they tweak it. Sometimes they say, Miss Jan, that ain't going to work. You know? And so we go back and, you know, and continue to improve on it. And that's how we have been able to build our program successfully by responding to the immediate need of the people we're trying to help. Yeah, because, I mean, I, you know, from the time I've come over there, I've definitely, as a, as a recipient, watched it grow. And oh, I've spread the huge. word, too. It's huge. <laughs> it it's huge. huge. It is huge. Now, since becoming the director, you have contributed plus of your own money (laughs) since retiring from the Cleveland Public Library. Why do you do it? It's getting better. (laughs) (laughs) When we started out, we couldn't get money from anybody. Uh, We got money for the food from the county. From property taxes, they allocate a certain amount of money that goes to United Way that's then distributed to Hunger Network. And because we're a Hunger Network member, we get money each month uh, to to pay for the food that we get from the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. Though we also get a lot of free food from them as well. All of our fresh produce we get from them is free. So we distribute about 25,000 pounds of fresh produce every yeah, week from our, produce, center, you do. from our center. From our center. So, But there are other expenses. I mean, sometimes we can have close to a $2,000 electric bill. I mean, when you have 20, 25 refrigerators and freezers running yeah. 24-7 and a huge cooler that we're using that's on, you know, that you see from the outside when you come in, that's a utility. Right. Uh, so that has to be paid. There are gloves, there are things that we need for food safety that are not paid for by the, uh, the money that we receive from the county. So I started by donating. (laughs) I guess I'm not always comfortable talking about it, but um, I I figured that we give our money to lots of things. Sure. Um, And so it was important for me, because I saw my mother do it, and I saw my father do it, and my grandparents, to give back to community Community, in some way. And to me, it was where I was putting my time sometimes seven days a week, sometimes 12, 14-hour days. And so it was not difficult to also commit financial resources to it. And to be truthful, um, I'm doing all right. You know, for a while we had to cut out the telephone and the cable at home because we paid it at the center. But And Wi-Fi at home because we paid it at the center. But more and more as word has gotten out about our work and people who believe in the mission that we have, we're getting more donations. That's awesome. We are getting amazing support from New Community Bible Fellowship, Neighborhood Connections. You know, awesome. we've applied for grants from yes. Neighborhood Connections for different things. But because we don't have a very formal infrastructure, it's very difficult to get large grants. Yeah. You know, we've never had an audit. We don't have paid staff. And, and funders like to see paid staff. They yeah. don't like to see volunteers hand, hand, handling their money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah it, it has been uh, a challenge, but I think we have been very fortunate and blessed in many ways that people believe in the mission and people write checks. Yeah, We have a, a group of faith-based women who sent in $1,000 last month. Wow, that's you awesome. You know, we had a, a, a couple from Solon who wrote a $5,000 check to help us with our solar panel installation project that we 
were doing to try to reduce the electrical bill. Yeah. So there are there are people out there who believe that the work we're doing has value. And they also believe in it because we're not taking a major part of their donations and paying ourselves. Yes. We're using people it. People see what you're doing. They see they the work see that what we're you're doing, doing. They and they see, see the it. effect that it has the on need. the people. Right. It, it addresses it, those it, needs. That's right. It addresses those needs. Yes. So people, I mean, people I've never met before would send a check. So we've gotten $1 in the mail before. Oh, and wow. to me, that $1 <laughs> is as important, important? as that $5,000 check yeah. because it said somebody saw the work we were doing, and if that was the only thing they could give, they gave it. And it might have been a huge sacrifice for them to give that one dollar. So yeah, so I I give it because I used to say because I should. Uh, I think I've been very blessed in my life. I think I've I've had many many opportunities, and I believe that it's important that we give back. And I have to I have to model what I believe we need from others as well. So if I don't give, how can I expect others to give? You know, and as I said, I, I've been blessed, retired from Cleveland Public Library, but also retired from Alaska. <laughs> and so I've been able to give back. And it's easier said than, um, sometimes it's been easier said than done, but we have done it. We have you done guys it. Do a, yeah. you, done, you do a splendid job. You and really and I have to acknowledge uh, my, I used to say, uh, He's my partner. I used to say in crime, but I changed that pretty fast. <laughs> He's my partner in service. Sure. Quentin is my partner in That's service. Right. And a lot of what I've been able to do at the center is because of Quentin, and he brings his construction skills. The building was dilapidated when we got it. It had been vandalized. And his students have done a lot of the work. They yes. get their hands on in that building, you know, uh, and they're learning a skill as they improve the physical plant. And so Quentin oversees all of that work um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the building. And you've, and you've done a lot. He's done a you've lot. You've done a lot. He's done a lot. You, you've done a lot. Well, you know, I'm going to save my last question for the both of you okay. where people can contact you. Okay. And I'm going to get right to Mr. Durham here. Now, let me give a little background here. The Durham Construction Company has been in business since 1960. During the 1980s, the Durham Brothers Construction Company was one of the largest African-American-owned and operated companies in Cleveland and the surrounding area. Your organization also has a long history of giving back to the community. How did you get involved with the Garden Valley Neighborhood House, Mr. Doro? Well, I, <clears throat> I came home one evening, and Mr. Ridgway told me, said, uh, you know, um, they, uh, CMHA, want to buy the building. And uh, they was offering some like $40,000 for it. And so I said, uh, and I had been already donating with the previous director of that building, Tina Mitchell. Mm -hmm. So what happened, and I knew the building, so I say the people need the building. I say, and what I do, I'll buy it myself before you let uh, CMHA buy it and keep all the programs there. Wow. So, and that's how I got involved. That's big uh, involvement. Yeah. That's and, major stepping up. And then uh, I would fix it. So we've been working on it since we've been there. And uh, hadn't finished yet, but we're still working on it. Well, you've made a lot of fabulous improvements. Right. And actually, uh, with the training, I mean, we waterproofed the whole building with the students. Okay. Our project would have cost well over $50,000. 
Uh, we have um, installed the restaurant there for Mr. Ridgeway uh, with materials that came from Stofas, uh, recycled. We, wow. we did a, a deconstruction on three testing kitchens for Stofas. Okay. And we brought in some of the materials there and installed the restaurant for That is excellent. Ridgeway. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> we also... Uh, did the home health care. We installed uh, the home health care for Miss Ridgeway, and it's nice. Oh, uh, it is. Right now, we build an addition onto the food pantry where the people won't have to stand outside during the winter months. Okay, so, and basically, my training program I took the gym, and that's where I train at in the gym. I say, well, not too many of us gonna go to the, the uh, pro basketball, <laughs> uh, football, right. sports, right? And I figure I could do a better job by teaching them skills. Since, exactly. Since they brought the skills out the schools, they closed down the trades out of the school. So, and our young men's are basically once they come out of school or drop out. They have nowhere to go. And but, the women. And the and, women. And, yeah, and the women. <laughs> That's they, right. A lot of them are going to prison because they don't know what to do. And so this yeah. is why you established right. this institute. Right. So we, at that point, and I haven't seek any funds from nobody to run my trade school because I want it to work. And I didn't want to pull <laughs> funds and then lay down on the job and not train right yeah we um it costs money and, and another thing i look at if you uh go to college and i have a student with me right now that just finished ou um he have a degree in uh marketing so what happened he couldn't find a job no place he, he went through college with the full scholarship wow. football very intelligent young man so I had him for like five weeks, and right now I could send him just about anywhere to take care of my business because I'm teaching the business part. Yes. And and right, he pulled permits, right contracts. He's doing it all. And he said to me, he going to continue this after I'm gone, the trade school. That's a wonder. He's a very sharp young guy. I'm all choked up, y'all. <laughs> I'm trying not to cry. So, <laughs> so, but anyway, but anyway, and we all... Um, not just uh, God Valley, what we do, we have a program where seniors go before the housing court and can't make the repairs. Yes. So I take my students, and we go out sometime, they're able to buy the materials, sometime not. And we go and that take care of the violation. That is a valuable piece of information. And also, and I tell the students that if you look at what's going on with the housing, in Cleveland, the demolition hammers are rolling every day, tearing down houses. houses that's Some right. good houses that shouldn't be torn down. Absolutely, I I, that, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I, okay. I don't understand that. And then some of these houses they tearing down, they pay more money to tear them down than it would take to fix them. Exactly, because isn't this something like ten thousand dollars per uh, house? Uh, to, and you average. can take that money and fix the house up. Yeah, and sometimes you can have. Five yeah, let the students 000, do it. Sometimes five thousand dollars would 
make the repairs. Yes. Uh, either you could take them, you could go in one house where you can't repair it and take materials from that one and fix the one that you can repair. Well, when so. this year, well, in, in listening to this show out there, you folks out there who are um, able to make things happen in the city of Cleveland, I hope that you're listening to Mr. Durham, that all of these houses do not have to be destroyed. Nope. That he has the, the facility and the students and the energy and the time to come in and make repairs because housing is definitely a need here in Very much. And what's happening is uh, they're giving uh, vouchers to go to the suburbs and basically um, tearing down the houses they left. Yes. And pretty soon when they pull the vouchers in, it's going to leave you homeless. Yes. Right. Uh, we have many, many houses that seniors are living in that they are on fixed income. They can't make certain repairs. But, you know, it works well for us because that's how I train. If they could buy the material user, we'll go in and do the work. Well, through, through, this, through this podcast, we're definitely going to make sure that people know where to find you, how to contact you, because that is a needed service yeah. for a lot of seniors who are living in older housing in right. Cleveland, Ohio. Quentin didn't mention this, but one of the things that the students started doing initially, they were building disabled access ramps. Okay. And there were people who hadn't been out of their home in months because they couldn't get out. Wow. No way to, you know, wheelchair bound and nowhere to get out. Mm. So again, the students were improving this job skills while they were building the ramps. So yes. it was mutually beneficial for the uh, the resident, resident as well as for the as students. For the students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have a project right now in Mayfield Heights where the young ladies in a wheelchair never will be able to walk. And uh, we uh, went in to pull a permit to, to build a bathroom for disabled and a deck and a ramp in the rear of the house. Well, then the city told us that couldn't add on to that particular room and we had to tear it down and go completely new. Wow. So which the cost came from like sixteen thousand gonna go up to like fifty thousand. Wow. So we gonna have to go out and channel five uh agreed to go out when I start trying to raise the funds to buy the materials for it. Yes. And uh come up with it. So that's a project we're working on right now. Very good. Well, I know that you're going to accomplish that. I know that you're going to get the funding and the materials that you need. Oh, definitely. Oh, no question about it. And if we can be of any help in getting the word out there for you, you know, this is... This is why I'm, I'm, you know, we're doing this podcast to let people know that there's folks like you out here in the community who really care and really want to help people. That's important. Now, how many participants have graduated from the program? I graduate over 400 so far. Uh, most of them are working. A lot of them in the union. Some of them in the operators union, carpenters union. Uh, a lot of them in business. Mm-hmm. I have some students that came through my program that did the business strike okay. and uh, doing millions of dollars, wow. making millions of dollars. That's awesome. Yep. So they're making money. And one thing about uh, training, if you have skills, then once you gain a skill, you can employ yourself. You don't have to beg for a job. And it works well for 
um, felonies. See, because the doors slam in their face. Right. So what happened? If I teach you how to pour concrete, you could pour a block, which people is being cited four hundred dollars a block, a six by six. You could go and form that and pull a couple blocks that day. You could make five, six hundred dollars. So if you could do that, then why would you look for a job? Yes. I either if you could top point with a five dollar bag of mortar, a chimney, and it could be a five hundred to a thousand dollars for that. Take you about four hours to do. Yeah. So. There's small things that you could do. Repair ports. You can turn your life around. I right. can tell you, if I was a young person, I'm serious. Yeah. When I found out about this program, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, if I was younger, to, to go and learn these skills, I mean, because these are skill, valuable skills for young men and women to come and start their own construction companies to be able to build. Oh my God, these are invaluable skills. I just left uh, two young ladies from my program stripping off a deck. Uh, they want to learn how to pour concrete. They want to learn how to build tiny homes. Yeah. <laughs> the so, tiny house moves, so yeah. She, one of them, they work a job, but they took off the job. They spend this week with me awesome. on this particular job because it would, um, it's a job, that, um, the skill level around what they want to do. And so I left them on the job. I think that is absolutely incredible. It's wonderful. Now, for the program, for our audience, is there a requirement and is there a cost? Um, the, the requirements come in, make application, <laughs> and, and show up, no cost. That, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Actually, um, it's, a lot of them can't even buy a T-shirt, uh, can't buy a square book. So what we do when they can't buy it, if they want to uh, stay in the program, we buy, raise the money. Sometime another student will raise the money for the students that can't buy the square book yeah. or the tools that they need. So Mr. Norm Everett with the Black Contractor Group, he did, um, went to Turner Construction, I believe, and brought in boots, coats, That's shoes great. for more than 50 of my students. That's also, also, he's um, been placing a lot of my students with the operators' union and different unions. That's good. That so, is so wonderful. So he's done some great work. Right now, he have a request for 20 June 1st to go to the operators' union. And, and give the gentleman's name again, Mr. Norm Elwood. Mr. Norm, Norm Alberts. Yeah, Norm Ed Elwood. Edward, Mr. Norman Edwards. Mr. Norman, Norman Edwards, okay. Um, with the Black Contractors Group. Um, he also, <clears throat> he also, when uh, someone come in in need of a job, mm -hmm. I call him. Usually before the day is out, he unplaced him somewhere. That is marvelous. Yeah. Most of his, his placement is with the union. And that's a, that's, that's a, major. I run a non-union operation. Mm -hmm. and most of, but I've always hired union people. Yes. Whoever mm -hmm. was capable to do the job. And more than anything, you're just providing all this experience and training at no cost. You know, as old folks say, you can't beat that with a stick. No, you can't. <laughs> no. Can't, no, you can't, can't beat that with it's, a stick It's at important. All. When, and, and I have many students from these other programs come in and can't read a tape measure. Mm -hmm. and, and they're getting, and they paying vouchers. But when they come in to me, 
you know. You you get them together. I test them. I yeah. test them when they come in. If they say they've been into a carpenter program, mm -hmm. so I give them a square and I give them a tape measure and I say lay off a wall, either cut or raffle. Can't do it. Wow. So you really can't teach what you don't know. Yeah. And so if you don't have the skills, you can't teach it. Right. Well, you got the skills, oh, yeah. the know-how, and the experience, and you give people an opportunity to get that knowledge at no cost right. and be able to go out and, and build a living for themselves and then come back and be able to help your organization as well and volunteer their time and their talents and some money. Ain't going to hurt. That's right. <laughs> you know, that is wonderful. Now, here's the part for both of you. How can people contact you to volunteer, register for the Trade Institute, donate, Time, resources, cash. How can folks find you? My number is 216-860-5246. And the address is 7100 Kinsman, the Garden Valley Neighborhood Center. Okay, so I would definitely suggest that uh, for people who are interested in volunteering, that they come to the center and see the work that we're doing. I think sometimes people, uh, they're a little bit afraid to come because it's Garden Valley. Yes. But Garden Valley is a neighborhood like any, any other neighborhood. Any other neighborhood, And the That's people right. there have the same needs and wants and, and desires, wants and desires right. as any other resident right. in the city of Cleveland. That's right. And I think when you come into our facility and you see the work and you see the gratitude that so many of the clients we have share, that you you come to a full understanding of the work that we're doing, a full understanding of our mission, the, the effect that it, it has, on the people we're trying to serve. So I would suggest first that if you're interested in volunteering, come down and visit us. Come down and see what we're doing. Uh, we're at 7100 Kinsman Road, and uh, it's, it turns into Chagrin on one end, about 152nd, <laughs> if you aren't quite sure where we're located. Right. We're about three miles from downtown right. uh, Cleveland, and it feeds into Woodland on the opposite end. So right. if you get on Woodland or either Chagrin, you can find us about Midway, and uh, we're in the Kinsman neighborhood. Um, for for um, if, if you want to contact us by telephone number right now uh we, we're having some problems with our phones uh because we just got a new service but you can al always reach me at 216-618-7622 216-618-7622 uh, which is also a text number so um you know if you text me within 24 hours i try to text back um you know uh to just answer whatever question you have but um, we welcome all of the above. If you're interested in making a donation, we always appreciate it. Um, <laughs> and a donation can be made, uh, if it's a check, can be made payable. And that's our preference that it's in check because it helps us to monitor what's coming in and going out. Uh, but any checks or money orders or whatever should be made payable to Garden Valley Neighborhood House, not to either me or to, to Quentin, but to Garden Valley Neighborhood House. And, you know, you can indicate how you prefer that that uh, donation is used, whether you want it used on a children's program or a training program or the food pantry or whatever. Carol, I, I didn't answer one of your yes. questions, so I want to go back because you asked yes. me um, how 
how do we determine who gets assistance? And we started yes. talking about the different programs that we provide that are unique to individuals. We will serve anybody who comes into our food pantry, and which and is a little bit a different <laughs> than, you know, than, than sort of the standard or traditional practice for food pantries. But if you come to us, even if our focus is Cuyahoga County, but if you come to us from outside of Cuyahoga County, we will serve you that first time, and then we will we will refer you and hook you up to a food pantry in your in Lorain County yeah, yeah. or wherever. Yeah. But we will we don't refuse you service if you come to us because we know if you took the time to come in. There must be a need there, and yes. we need to address that need, not turn you away because you don't live within a certain zip code. Yeah, and so really we serve almost every, with the new pantry track, which is an online service, we're serving in, in any given month almost every zip code in the in the Cleveland yeah. area, greater yes. Cleveland you area. Yes, you do. You guys don't turn mm-hmm. anybody no. away. You and it's important because you have people yeah. who work at um, CMHA in different places that are still working poor. That's right. And when they go home, at the end of the day, the food pantries in their area may be closed. Yes. But they can come to us on their lunch hour. Yes. You know, and get food. Or during the economic downturn, when some of our suburbs, more affluent suburbs, were having financial problems and losing their homes and their jobs, they didn't want to stand in a food line in Solon right. or Beachwood. Right. They felt more comfortable coming into a neighborhood that they didn't know, right. you know, and to receive food. And when so many of our residents live in publicly subsidized housing and not paying property taxes, the people who are paying for our residents to eat in Garden Valley are from Solon and Beechwood and Palmer. Right. So how can you refuse them service exactly. if they come and ask for it? I think we've been very instrumental in changing or transforming the whole landscape of uh, a food pantry. Yeah, you have. And many other food pantries now are beginning to look at uh, at training programs, not just in Cuyahoga County, but all across the country. Yes. You know, and like I said, we didn't intend to be that disruptive when we started. <laughs> <laughs> but we just felt that it was more important to address hunger holistically. Yes. And I also want to say, too, in doing my research, that you can go online to the Durham Trade Institute website right. and find out about the class and register there. So I want to definitely make sure. Now, we have been know. working on a website forever. Is <laughs> anybody out there who's good with websites and want to help Garden Valley Neighborhood House set up one, come on down. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I'm certain that you guys will definitely get the feedback that you, uh, that you deserve. Well, I would like to thank my guests, Ms. Jan Ridgway and Mr. Quentin Durham Sr., for visiting with us today. It has been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it immensely. It was worth the chase. Thank to you. Get you I here. know. We work all the time. <laughs> no, Thank you. But it was this worth is the it. first break I've had in, in almost eight years. So. It was, it was yeah, worth thank it. Thank you. You're thank quite you. welcome. I would like to leave our audience with a quote from Ms. Ridgeway that sums up why you and Mr. Quentin do what you do. We will meet you where you are. Our mission is to transform your thinking in such a way that you will learn how to help yourself and in return, help others. I want to thank our audience for visiting with us today. We appreciate your support. Please join us next time as we continue our conversation with Cleveland residents who are making positive contributions to their neighborhood in our city. Go to Neighborhood Connections website to locate a network night in a neighborhood near you. Come network and collaborate with residents who are making positive contributions to our community. 
If you have a great idea and you want to do something positive for your neighborhood, contact Neighborhood Connections at 216-361-0042 or send us an email at www.neighborhoodgrants.org and like us on Facebook. Get informed, get involved, neighbor up. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining me today on Neighbor Up Spotlight. Neighbor Up Spotlight is sponsored by Neighborhood Connections and the Cleveland Foundation in association with Bad Racket Recording Studios. Executive producer, creator, writer, host, Carol Malone. Co-producer, Lila Mills. Engineer, co-producer, Henry Rapp. Neighbor Up Cleveland. <laughs>